morning, everybody. Doing all right? Good. Good to have you here this morning. Um, before I get started, a couple of staff updates, because I know you guys love staff updates before I speak. And uh, you, you should have gotten an email this past week. If you did not get that update, then it means you either went into um, the spam or junk folder and need to find that email update, or it just means you're not getting our emails. We'd love to give you on our email list. We send out a weekly email and special emails throughout the week. Office at thejourneynova.org. Send that in. Say, hey, I want my email address to be listed, and we will put you on that so you can receive those every single week. But here is the staff update. A couple things. The first one is, and again, this was in the email, um, we have two potential candidates for the associate pastor role, and we have invited them to come hang out with us over a couple of weekends here in October. And so we are moving forward on that. Keep praying that God will lead us to the right person to be here on staff with us and to continue the mission that we feel like God has us on here at The Journey. And then the other thing is Ryan and Alyssa McGee, who have been here for about 11, 12 years, I believe, um, have decided that it is time for them to move on. Um, many of you have been asking, hey, Ryan just finished his seminary degree. Is he going to be the associate pastor? Are you guys looking at him? And you're peppering us with these questions. And we kind of knew what was happening in the background. We, were, we didn't lie, but we were like, they're looking at some other options. That other option was for them to move back to Wisconsin, where Alyssa is from. And uh, Ryan got permission from his company to work remote here over the past couple of weeks. And uh, so they're looking to move back there. Here's what I love about this. They're going back there to be close to the family. But what they really hope to be able to do is to plant a church there in that community. And uh, that is part of our heartbeat here at The Journeys, to see more and more churches planted. And so we're excited for them. That, that's probably a couple years down the road for them, maybe sooner, depending on what happens when they get there. But next Saturday, October the 1st, 10 a.m. in this room, uh, we're going to do a little celebration for the McGee's. Uh, it's kind of multifaceted day. Uh, we're going to do an ordination service for Ryan, which I know sounds like really long and crazy. It's going to be short and sweet. We promise that. Uh, and then we're going to do a child dedication for one of their kids. So uh, a lot of things are going to be happening in about 35 to 45 minutes. But we would love for you to come and to join us in that celebration of their time here. Again, that's next Saturday, October 1st, 10 a.m. We'll have refreshments. If you can sign up for that so we know how many people are coming, that would even be better. I think the QR code should give you a link there. And we sent something out in the weekly email this week. So lots of good things happening there. With staff, we're excited for what's to come. We're excited for the McGee's. Continue to be in prayer for everybody as uh, lives are, are being changed and, and transformed uh, through these moves. I, um, I think the best introduction for any football team is pretty close to where we live right here. It's down in Blacksburg, Virginia. Any Hokie fans out there? A couple, right. Boo, there's Virginia fans. There you go. I had a chance uh, a few years back when Virginia Tech had a really good football team, which they don't have a good football team anymore, but... There you go. Yep, I got it in there for you, just in case. But um, I had a chance to go to one of their football games, and um, I, I was there with a couple of Virginia Tech alums, and they said, you're getting ready to experience something you've never experienced before in your life. In my mind, I'm like, what? Have you ever been to a Wake Forest football game before? I mean, come on. Nothing's quite like that. Truly nothing is. But anyway, um, they're, they're like, just, just get ready for this. Next thing you know, Inner Sandman by Metallica is blaring through the speakers. I was going to add that today, but I decided not to. But anyway, I was blaring through the, the, the speakers, 
And, and in my mind, I'm screaming earthquake, right? And if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. Because the stands start to literally move. They're, they're moving. And you look around, and what you notice is everyone, and when I say everyone, I mean absolutely everyone. Grandmas that are 97 years old are jumping up and down. And it's like this wave in, in the ocean just rolling back and forth with all these people screaming and yelling. And, the, and you know, I'm like, I'm glad Virginia Tech's an engineering school because I'm pretty sure <laughs> somebody checked this out. And so when you finally get to the place, you're like, okay, death is probably imminent because there's no way this is going to hold all these people jumping up and down. You're like, the music's blaring, people are screaming, I, I'm going to enjoy this too. So you start to do the exact same thing. Again, never experienced anything like that before in my entire life. But that's the moment at a Virginia Tech game, you know it's game time. Today we finished up the series called Church as a Team Sport, and we're going to talk about what this looks like for the church in game time. Now, we've been focused on this one passage. We've read it, I think, every single week. It comes out of Matthew chapter 16, verses 18. And this is something that Jesus says to one of his disciples, Peter. He says, Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And so the very first week we looked at that word church that is used there, and we said, you know, that's actually not what Jesus says. He, he uses the word ecclesia. He's, he's not talking about a, a place, a building, an event that happens on Sunday mornings. He's actually talking about this movement of people who are living out his mission here on this earth. And so when you see that word church in the New Testament, it's actually that word ecclesia over and over and over again, kind of this reminder of what we are a part of. And so we talked about the definition of ecclesia and what that meant. The next week we talked about the fundamentals and we looked at the early church and what they were doing and how that's so important to who we are even 2,000 years later. Last week we talked about the game plan of Jesus. We said, Jesus like, here's your game plan. Go teach and baptize. That's it. P pretty simple. We talked about how the Holy Spirit has got to be a part of that in our lives to, to make that happen. Well, like I said, today we are going to look at this idea of pulling all of these together. And what does it look like for the church to be in the game because here's the deal if you're part of the church it is always game time now how are we going to do this well I want to look at a passage I want to look at a conversation that happens with Jesus as he's talking to two of his followers we're actually going to go back a little bit back into Mark Mark chapter 10 starting with verse 35 here's what it says it says then James and John the sons of Zebedee came over and spoke to him Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. What is your request, he asked. Well, they replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want you to sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. Now, this is a conversation these guys are having with Jesus just before he goes into Jerusalem for the last week of his life. Now, these guys are... BFFs with Jesus, right? I mean, Jesus has like this inner core group of three guys, and it's Peter and James and John. So they're, they're very, very close to Jesus. And so they, they come to him, and they're like, okay, Jesus, you're going to have this earthly kingdom. Again, they don't get it, right? We even talked when Jesus goes in heaven. They're, they're still trying to figure this whole thing out. You're going to have this earthly kingdom. Well, we'd like to have a little bit of that political power. You know, and, and we were thinking about this. I'm like, you know, you can sit on the throne, but one of us needs to sit on the right and, and one of us needs to sit on the left. We're, we're looking for something comfortable to do in, in our older age. And, and we, we just want to be a part of, of something. Could, so can, you, can you make that happen for us? Here was Jesus' response. 
Verse 38, you don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? Here's Jesus like, you have no idea what you are asking or what's getting ready to come. He's like, you don't understand. But, but he gives them an opportunity to respond. And here's what they say in verse 39. They say, oh, yes, we're able. So they're kind of like, hey, Jesus, you be president. And then one of us will be the vice president and one of us will be the speaker of the house, right? Give us these three, you know, two top positions in your cabinet because, again, this earthly kingdom's coming. You're going to sit on this throne. You're going to defeat the Romans. And so we want these positions of power in this new administration that you have. And here's how Jesus responded in verse 39. It says, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with my baptism of suffering. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. God has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. I read that Jesus is basically saying, what you're asking, it's, it's not important. It's not important at all. But by the way, yep, you're right. You are going to experience some suffering because you are my disciples. Verse 41, when the 10 other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. So word spreads pretty quickly that James and John have asked this question of Jesus. And so the other disciples hear about this and they're like, what's going on? And it's not like they're going to James and John because they want to have a conversation like, hey, Jesus isn't coming to do this earthly kingdom. He's coming to build a spiritual kingdom. Why can't you guys understand that? That's not why they're indignant. They're indignant because they beat him to the punch. Like those are the same questions they wanted to ask for Jesus because, again, they think Jesus is coming to start this earthly kingdom. Verse 42. So Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. Last week, we talked about the medieval church, and we said in those days, whoever controlled the church, controlled whoever controlled that building, controlled the scripture, and they controlled the people, and it was really about power over people. And here we see the, the disciples are looking for that too. They're, they're looking for power over people. They're, they're looking for this comfortable role that, that they can have so that they can kind of be big shots in, in their, their life. But it's what Jesus says next that is what we're going to focus on for the rest of our time. Verse 43, but among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for many. If you take a moment and you look at those words, you see what Jesus says? Because here's Jesus. Jesus is the king. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the chosen one. And Jesus very easily could have come to earth and said, here's how this is going to play out. I'm going to sit on my throne, and all of you, humanity, guess what you're going to do? You are going to serve me. And people would have been like, that totally makes sense. I mean, you're the king. That's what you do for a king. But that's not what Jesus asked for. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, I did not come to be served. I came to serve. I wonder if we hear those words and if we really get what is being said here. That if we're a follower of, of Jesus and, and then we talk about the church and, and, and then we look at that word serve, I wonder how many times we miss 
what Jesus is saying here. I, I wonder how many times we purposely overlook what Jesus is talking about. Because Jesus says, this is the ultimate thing you can do, is to serve others. And we serve others through our life. When we go back to talk about what Jesus, uh, last week about the, the game plan of going and teaching and baptizing, hey, that, that doesn't happen unless we are serving the people that are in our lives. Now, I know when I say that word serve, many of you are like, he's trying to get us to go work in Journey Kids today, isn't he? <laughs> See, I knew you were thinking that. I don't think we understand what that word serve means. Serve doesn't mean trying to get a task done, right? Um, high school students, especially if you're here in Fairfax County, I'm not picking on you if you're in here this morning. But let, let me just say, many of you have to do, uh, and if you're a parent of a high school student, you knew this, you have to do community service. And kind of depending on how many hours you put in, you get a specific emblem on your, uh, on your diploma when you graduate. So I think the, the kind of the max one is 50 hours. So as a church, we get requests all the time. People in the church, which is totally fine. Uh, if you've got to do that, we want to help you out. But in the community, too, people are just like, hey, my kid needs, you know, 50 hours of, of service hours in two days because you're getting ready to graduate. And it's like, <laughs> I don't think we can help you out with that. But uh, we can maybe get three. But this is kind of what happens. And so... When you talk to a kid and a high school student and they're, they're looking for that, they're, they're just looking to get a task done, right? There's no real purpose or feeling behind it. It's like, I just got to do this. Can you mind helping me out? That'd be great. And can you fill out this paper? Thank you. Sometimes thank you. And, uh, and then they kind of go on. <laughs> Again, if you have high school kids, you know exactly what I'm talking about. How many of us look at this idea of serving in that same way? Like, it's just a task. I, I, I got an hour, I got an hour and a half. I might be able to give you two hours a month or an hour every six months and, and it's a task and I'll get it done and that'll make me feel better about myself and I'm gonna put a little check mark because I, I did this. Can you sign off on this to make me feel better about it? I mean, so often that's what serving has become to us. But here's what serving means. Serving means to invest. When we are truly serving, we are investing in the lives of other people. Here in what we just read, Jesus served his disciples. He served James and John by investing in their lives. Jesus serves us. Jesus invested in our lives through the ultimate sacrifice that he gave with his life. See, serving is about investing who we are in the lives of others. And if we go back and we look at what we've been talking about over the past few weeks in that early church, if you remember that or if you've listened, they weren't trying to get tasks done. They weren't trying to get some community hours so that they could get an emblem on some little Christian certificate that they were doing. They were investing in the lives of people. And some of these people they knew some of these people were people just in their community. Some of these people weren't even in their community. They were from all these different places, but they were there and they were investing in their lives. They weren't asking, what task can I do for you? They were asking, how can I serve you? How can I invest in your life? And you know what? That's why the early church grew exponentially. It wasn't because they were trying to get tasks done because they were caring for people in that community. 
They weren't thinking about what am I going to get out of this or I need to get these hours in. They were like, how can I help you? How can I serve you? How can I invest in your life? And I think too often we miss that part in our own lives that we don't understand serving others is about investing in their lives. And, and we see in that early church how that kind of played out. In Acts 2.47, it says, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. They're investing in the lives of all of these people. And good things are happening. There, there's this, this sense of connection and relationships and joy and happiness. There's goodwill that's happening. And they're praising God because they're seeing God do amazing things through this. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. That investment in the lives of others grew the church. And the church is still alive 2,000 years later because of that, I truly believe. But here's what we know about serving and what we know about investing in people's lives. Uh, there are going to be challenges to that when we serve others. There's going to be risks that we take when we invest in the lives of others. And so here's a question for you to think about. Are you a risk taker? Just think about that for a second. Are you a risk taker? Now, as you're answering that question in your mind, I've got a secondary sub-question for you that I want you to answer in your mind too. And it's pretty simple. It is, what do you eat for breakfast every day? Okay? And here's why I'm saying that. I'm going to tell you what I eat for breakfast every single day. Uh, I get up and I make a little small bowl of granola. And then uh, I get fresh blueberries and I put in the granola and I put a little... 2% lactate milk in there because we're all lactate intolerant. And then, there you go, amen. <laughs> you just say amen to that, would have been perfect. But, um, and then I uh, they get a piece of uh, cinnamon raisin Ezekiel toast, put it in the toaster, toast it up, it comes out, finish it up, crunchy peanut butter, a little light layer on it. And then I usually drink two to three cups of black coffee every single morning. There is very little variation in what I eat for breakfast. Now, I like to think I'm a risk taker, and, and maybe I am a risk taker because two things, I drink black coffee. <laughs> I used to put sugar and cream in, I was like, that's probably not very good for me, and so I just started drinking black coffee, which isn't great, but it's not terrible. And then, uh, here's the big one, I don't wash my blueberries. <laughs> Living life on the edge. Some of you know, you're with me, aren't you? Yeah. Those are my two big risks. Everything else is the exact same every single day. Now, again, I like to think I'm a risk taker, but when I begin to kind of look at my daily life and I look at my breakfast, I'm like, yeah, I'm a pretty consistent. I don't change a whole lot. And my guess is for the majority of us in this room right now, we're really not risk takers. We like to think we are and we like to say that we are, but we like consistency. We don't really like change. We, we don't really like risk. And so we, we play it safe. We play it safe when it comes to decisions and investments and relationships, even when it comes to our, our faith. I'm not saying playing it safe is wrong, okay? What I'm saying, though, is when it comes to the lives of other people, when it comes to being what we're supposed to be, when it comes to being what we're called to be, the church, this ecclesia, it means you and I have got to be risk takers. But taking risks bring challenges. And those challenges are things that we face as we invest in the lives of other people. Uh, let me share with you two risks, and there are definitely many more, but these are two that kept popping in my head as I was working this message. 
Risk number one that we find is investing in others means I risk having to move out of my comfort zone. Many of you probably like me, uh, well, some of you, I don't know percentages here, probably like football and at least watched the football game before or watched a bunch yesterday. And uh, you notice that in the stands, there's usually thousands of spectators that are watching that game. And, and they're there, and if you, you, as a fan like me, you're probably doing like me. You're, you're screaming at the coach, and they should have run this play, and they should have done this, and here's what I would have done if I were in your place, and you know this player shouldn't be in there. I mean, we're trying to tell these coaches where they need to be putting all their players, right? But we don't want to go play the game. We're just like, I want to tell you what you need to do as a spectator who only you know, kind of focuses on this a few hours a week. In the church world... The church is full of spectators. People sitting in the stands, looking at the game that's being played and saying, here's what you need to do. Here's some plays you need to run. Why don't you do this? Well, why don't you come help? Uh, I'm just going to sit on the sidelines. I'm going to sit in the stands and just tell you what you need to do. But we find this in the church, and I think this is a very American church type thing. But there's so many spectators sitting in the stands watching the game being played out. And coming back from the pandemic, it's probably worse than ever. There's not one pastor that I have talked to that has said, man, we've got tons more volunteers helping on Sundays in our community events and in our groups than we've ever had. Because everybody is struggling. There's something about the pandemic. We came back and we're like, yeah, I don't want to be a risk taker right now. I, I, I'm comfortable. I'm, I'm good where I am. I was trying to figure this out this past week. I'm like, all right, I just, I just want to know where, where do we kind of sit as, as a church. And so we figured out kind of what the monthly um, number of people, adults, who come through our doors, you know, over the course of four weeks. And we said, all right, how many volunteers do we have that are adults that fall into this? And here's what we found. 66%, 66% of our church are spectators. Those are adults. 34% are doing the work and serving in the church. And when I'm talking about this, I'm talking about Sundays. Yeah, I'm talking about what we do here. I'm talking about journey kids, but I'm talking about journey teens. I'm talking about groups. I'm talking about community events that we do. Again, just being blunt, we got a lot of spectators. Now, yes, it's happening in every church. Doesn't mean it's okay because it's happening in every church. We have to be reminded that we are called to serve and yet too often man I'm just gonna live in my comfort zone now if you're brand new here listen to me you get a pass okay you get a pass for this definitely but here's what bothers me it's the people that have been followers of Jesus for 15 20 years and like you know what please don't put any pressure on me to serve to give to attend to pray to be in a group to follow Jesus better to love my neighbor please don't put any pressure to do that and I'm thinking to myself but we're called to serve we're called to invest in the lives of others in this place and in our neighborhoods and in our communities in our world and sometimes I wonder if we're not really any different than James and John we want those comfortable positions right we don't want to get out on the field and, and, and feel the pain and, and the sweat and, and the blood that goes into that. We don't really want to invest in the lives of others. We like to kind of sit back and like, hey, I want to tell you how to do it. But that's not what we are called to do or who we are called to be. The church does not exist to make us comfortable. The church does not exist to make me comfortable. And by the way, 
I can fall into the comfort zone very, very easily myself. And I have to continue to remind myself, no, my role, my job is to invest in the lives of others. So maybe it's time for some of us to step out of the comfort zone. And that's a risk, but it could be time to get into the game. Here's a risk number two, if that one didn't hurt bad enough. Here's the second one. <laughs> Investing in the lives of others is risky because it messes up my calendar. This is huge because we are busy people. In fact, here's what I want you to do right now. Person sitting beside you, introverts are going to hate this, but just ask this question. You got two seconds and answer the question. Are you a busy person? Ask the person beside you, see what they answer, okay? Are you a busy person? All right. I'm going to bet not one person in here is like, nope, I'm not busy at all. Ain't got nothing to do. What you got going on this afternoon? You want to go hang out for a few hours? I don't care if you're seven years old or 77 years old. It's like we are crazy, crazy busy. But here's what's even crazier. God loves to jump into our busyness. And God likes to interrupt our busyness and jumps into our, our calendar. And how do we feel when God interrupts our life? We hate it. It's almost like, you know, God, I, I can't do this right now. I can't help this person. I can't serve this group. I can't listen to their story. I can't invest in their issues. God, can you wait? I think I can fit you into my calendar. I've been looking. January 5th, 2023 is looking pretty good. Can I pencil you in for about 45 minutes? Because that's about all the time I'm going to have. And it, it seems like this is the way that we, we treat God, that, that God's going to jump into our calendar, and it's only if it fits our life. Diedrich Bonhoeffer was a German theologian and pastor. He wrote these words. He says, we must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. We must not assume that our schedule is our own to manage, but allow it to be arranged by God. If you and I say we are followers of Jesus, we got to allow God to break into our busyness and to mess up our calendars. Because God will put moments and people and relationships and opportunities for us to invest in someone's life that could be the difference between their eternity. And yet too often we're like, man, yeah, that sounds good, but I'm way too busy. And so there's a risk when it comes to investing lives and serving other people that our calendars will be interrupted by God. So the question for us is, are, are we ready to take a risk? Are we ready to live a life of risk where we're willing to say, this is going to be hard. You're going to have to get out of my comfort zone. It might mess up my calendar, but I am ready to invest in the lives of others. Because if we go back to the game plan from last week, you know, go teach and baptize. Here's the deal. I don't think any of that stuff can happen if we're not investing in the lives of others. We, we can't be spectators and say, hey, why don't you guys go? Why don't you guys teach? Why don't you guys go and baptize? It's not how this works. We, we have to be out on the field playing the game, which means we are serving and investing in the lives of others that give us the opportunities to have those conversations, to have those moments, to say, let me tell you a little bit about Jesus. This is why I'm doing this because I believe in you and I know there's something better for you. There's hope for your life. And that's why I want to invest in our relationship. Are we ready to invest in the lives of others? Which now leads me to Journey Kids and talking about Erase the Red 
we do this about every single fall, and it's just opportunities for us to invest in the lives of other people. And I know there's that cynical group out there that's like, you trapped us, we knew you were gonna do this. Just hear me out just for a couple more minutes here. When we talk about a race to the red, yeah, we are talking Sunday mornings. There are opportunities for us to jump in and to volunteer and serve, but, but it's not a task. We are not inviting you to do a task. We're inviting you to invest in the life of someone. We're inviting you to invest in the life of a child downstairs. We're inviting you to invest in the life of a teenager. We're inviting you to invest in the life of someone who comes to this church for the very first time. You may be out in the parking lot and think, man, I'm just parking cars. You might be the smiling face that someone's taking their first step to come meet God for the very first time or trying to come back to God, whatever it may be in their life. Maybe they're having a horrible life and they're going through so much and your smile and your welcome, that's their first impression of what Jesus is doing in your life. And you may not think it's anything, but it may be that investment that they need that changes their life. Same thing with groups and our community events. Look, these are opportunities for us to invest in the lives of others. It's not a task. It's not a community service hour project. It is all about investing in the lives of others. Because I can tell you, that I would not be here where I am today if it wasn't for the people who invested in my life when I was a little kid at the church I grew up in. Or the people who invested in my life when I was a teenager in the church that, again, I grew up in. Or as a young adult. Or the people who still invest in my life 23 years into ministry. Those individuals who have invested and still invest in my life, they have made me who I am today. And if you follow Jesus, and if you think back into your past, how did you get where you are right now? You didn't just have some epiphany, more than likely, where Jesus showed up and like, hey, you need to be baptized, and you need to follow me. And you're like, yeah, let me do that. That sounds great. Someone, someplace, somewhere, probably in the church, invested in your life. And there was something about you, that them, that attracted you to them. And they just gave you their time. They showed you what this hope looked like for Christ. And you are who you are today because of that investment in you. Why don't we, in the church world, want to invest more in the lives of others? Why is it that so many people in the church world, and I'm just talking church in general, especially the American church, why are we so consumeristic? Why do we love being spectators? Man, we need more people to get on the field and play the game. We need more people to get out there and get dirty. And yeah, I'm talking about Sunday mornings, but I'm talking about in your community. Why not invest in that coach, the team that your kid plays on? Or I got a good one for your parents. What about the teacher of your kids? What about investing in their life? What about investing in the life of the barista at the coffee shop you like to go to? This isn't just a church thing. This is living out the mission of Jesus in this world every single day. And we do that by investing in the lives of others. And that's what game time looks like for us. What are your next steps? Hey, if you're not invested, 
We'd love for you to stop by the Erase the Red tents as you leave today. Jump in and be a part of that. We, we push groups a lot, and our groups are amazing, and they just started. You can still jump into groups if you want to do that. But being a part of a team, there's, there's another bond, another relationship that, that you build in that. So we'd love to see you do that. Invest in your neighborhood and in your, in your community. Don't let this just be something about the church. Let this spread out from this place into our world. And maybe for some of you, it's taking a step of baptism. Maybe that's the investment. Someone's invested in you, and you want to take that step. Here in just a second, we're going to baptize one of our uh, kids here, a guy named Logan, and we're excited for that. And, and maybe that's you. You're going to watch Logan come up here and do this, and it's going to be an amazing thing. And maybe you're like, if Logan can do it, I can do it. And you know what? Logan's taking these steps because someone's invested in his life. Why not do that for yourself and for someone else? We can invest and be a part of the game. We can see what God is up to in amazing ways as we live out this thing called the church. Right now, I'm going to invite Logan to come up here with me.